Before we start this episode, we just wanted to talk about a podcast that Bookstash listeners might also enjoy. Plot Boilers, hosted by Emily Brady, is a podcast for people who love to read stories or create their own. It's a place to explore books, discover what makes them resonate with an audience, and gain a better understanding of the art of storytelling. So I've been listening to the Plot Boilers episode, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Uh, Now, this one really appealed to me because it's been on my TBR pile for a really, really long time. So Emily Brady actually had um, a couple of her friends with her. She was, she cracked open a bottle of wine, was talking about the wine. So (laughs) I learned all about Bordeaux and that it's a region, not a grape. That was really interesting (laughs) to me. Uh, And I just found that I was getting lost in the conversation, like in a good way. I was, it really made uh, the time pass by on my drive through to work. Um, And I got to find all about the uh, historical perspective behind uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, how it came to be called Blade Runner um, and how it got changed in the movie making process and all of that sort of thing. So um, these episodes really vary in length. So you can pick and choose your episodes depending on what time you have. And they're a really enjoyable listen. It's um, really easy to just get lost in them. Yeah, awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, I saw that they have an episode on The Handmaid's Tale too that I definitely will be listening to mm, definitely. later this week. So you can listen to Plot Boilers, all one word online, at iTunes and also at their website, plotboilers.com. You can also find Emily Brady on Twitter at plotboilers. I'm Steve Denise and welcome to The Bookstash, a podcast where I chat with fantasy author Ash Oldfield about reading, writing and everything in between. All right, Ash, why don't you tell everyone about what book you've been reading this time? Well, this one, might you actually don't know anything about this one. So I've been reading A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. Um, this is actually probably going to be the last fantasy book I read for a while because I am up to my neck in my own writing and I don't tend to read fantasy while I'm writing fantasy. So, yeah, this is the last fantasy book for me for a while and I'm very, very glad I chose to end on this one because it was really enjoyable and really different. Oh, excellent. That's awesome. What's what's the story about? So you need to kind of bear with me for a little bit. Okay. This is in a world where there are four Londons. <laughs> right, And okay. the Londons kind of overlap each other. So you've got Black London that's actually been sealed off. It's sort of torn itself apart through, I guess, overuse of magic. You've got White London that is currently being starved of magic. Red London, where our main character is from, that is rich with magic. And then Grey London, which is kind of like Victorian era London, where the main character's uh, I guess sidekick. Um, she's a she's a thief um, in Grey London. So the main character is this guy called Kel, and he's an Antari. So he's one of only two people in his world, uh, or actually in the whole universe, that can wield the magic needed to jump between the worlds. So imagine, I guess, like a cake, and he can jump through the layers of the cake. Right. Yeah. He's the only person. He and one other person can do that. 
So, yeah, he's an Antari. He's got one eye is black, which marks him out as being an, an Antari. So it sounds like he must be this all-powerful, amazing guy because he's got this magical ability, but actually he's technically a possession of the royal family. So he's almost on a leash. So yes, he can jump from London to London and to London, but only when he's given permission and he can't then leave the bounds of London because he's not allowed. So when you say he's in control by the royal family in one of those London, In red London, okay. yes. So, and then he acts as messenger, I suppose, between the different Londons. Okay. So he goes and talks to King George III, um, so during Regency England. So he can, he goes back. I said Victorian era. I know it's Regency, Regency England. So, yeah, he can go to Regency England and to White London as well. He can't travel to Black London because that's been sealed off. Uh, he's also an illegal smuggler. <laughs> so that's um, obviously going to prove problematic. Uh, the other main character in the story, um, she comes a little bit later in the story, is Delilah, and she's a thief. So she basically he meets her when she steals from him and then their paths keep crossing. Uh, What I really like about this book, though, is even though I've just mentioned Delilah's a female, uh, so far in this book she's not a love interest. So she's not just there to titillate Kel. She's a really great character in her own right. You're going to like it in the next book because I believe she becomes a pirate. Oh, cool. You're all about the pirates at the moment. (laughs) I do like pirates. so, yeah, that's that's the basic – I guess I've given you the basic outline for this story. Now, Cal is a very serious character, um, so Delilah's a great little foil for that. So is it – you mentioned other books. So is it mm-hmm. a trilogy? Or, yes, yeah. yes, so it's a trilogy. I've bought all three books, okay. but I just don't have the brain space right now <laughs> to finish them. So I'm, I'm really disappointed that I, I'm not going to have time until I finish writing my yeah. own works. So all but, three yeah. are out right now. Yep, all three. They're ready awesome. to go. All right. Well, um, what did you learn for writers from this book? Well, the first thing that I have learned, I've actually got a heap of notes here, as you can see in front of me, because I got really excited researching this character. Um, But the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the I said researching this character. I went researching this book, but I got very excited because I um, wanted to talk about the characterizations inside of this book, because the characters, every single character in this book could be the main character and the story would be just as good. So there's a certain degree of skill for a writer to make even secondary characters that realistic, that lifelike, that they could carry the story on their own. So I could. that's definitely a masterclass there in um, world building and character developing that I, I really um, – I really admire, I guess you could say, from Victoria Schwab. That it's something I wish I could do myself. Um, also, the really interesting magic system. It is a very, very different magic system to anything I've seen in a really long time, and it makes me want to get a little bit more creative with my own magic in my own world. And I have been playing around a little bit with that oh, uh, awesome. in book three. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I also did my research. Um, first of all, there's a really great, if you go to the publisher's website, which is tor.com, T-O-R.com, if you have a look at this cover, now they often, you know, a cover sells books. It's really important to have a good cover on your book. It's a picture of um, a guy with a cape standing on three grids of London with a guy he can put his feet in all the grids of London. Now on the website, tor.com, they actually talk with 
the designer of this and they talk through the creative process from right from those first schematics and that first um, what the vibe they want, um, those initial sketches, all the way through to the different versions he created and then how the publisher decided which one he wanted. So especially for self-published authors who aren't really sure what goes into getting a really good front cover because covers are the things that sell your book. I think that's going to be a really great tool for you to have a look at so you can understand that process. So we'll we'll chuck a, a link up yeah, on the absolutely. website when we'll we do that. Link. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, uh, the other thing I learned from the Tor website was that V.E. Schwab has signed a $1 million deal with Tor, which Ooh. you never see these days. So that is so incredible. I am so excited because she is such a really talented, incredible author. Um, so she she said that she's actually um, there's still so much of this world that she hasn't explored yet, which it is such a rich, vast world. So she said that she's really looking forward to being able to write more stories, and it's going to be three different books and a different character for each book with the stories into like uh, lining up and meshing together, which is something we talked about with the Illuminae files when Mm. I talked about that the other week. So that seems to be something I'm seeing more and more where authors are writing from a different character's perspective and then bringing it all together. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing where she goes from that. Apparently she's also got a movie deal. Um, Okay. I think it might be this book, A Darker Shade of Magic, being made into a movie, but apparently it's really, really early days. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that too. Um, and she also said something that I have been feeling a little bit with my books at the moment. So she's talking about the book she's writing at the moment and she said um, it, as in the book, is currently fighting back, which is par for the course. So um, <laughs> it's actually a sign that she's on the right track. Yeah, awesome. So – Yeah, that's really cool. It's nice to know that I'm not the only writer out there that has to battle with my books to get them going. (laughs) Um, She also gives great advice for not getting overwhelmed through the process, especially someone she's just got a million dollar contract. How do you do that without freaking out? Mm. And she said to focus on the trees, not the forest. So um, it's easy to forget that all projects, big or small, take time. Nothing gets finished in a sitting. So it's about showing up day after day after day, word after word after word. So I think I need to remember that at the moment. Yeah. So this um, researching Victor- uh, V.E. Schwab or Victoria Schwab, Schwab has come at just the best time for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So, it's good to see another writer giving really good advice and being and really active in the community. And such an inspirational, uh, hardworking writer as well. So someone who is very mm. productive, has a really good output. So, yeah, that's um, – I haven't really talked too much about A Darker Shade of Magic. I actually stumbled across it through the Bookstagram community because yeah. it is such a photographic book. That looks great. Um, photogenic book. Um, So because it is so popular, I don't want to talk any more about it than I have other than definitely go out, buy the whole series, buy all three books (laughs) and give it a read. But don't give me spoilers because I don't have time yet to read the next two. Awesome. Okay. No, it sounds really cool. All right. um, So what writing tips have you got for our writers today, Ash? 
Uh, I actually wanted to do something a little bit different today mm-hmm. um, because I've I have been working on the first draft of um, book three of my Rochea series. Fantastic! And a couple of people have been really surprised when I've shown them and I've pulled out a notebook from my handbag and gone, "Yeah, this is the draft." <laughs> um, so I actually handwrite my first drafts, uh, and sometimes I handwrite the second draft as well. So I wanted to talk about the science behind why I do that. So the difference um, that uh, your happen the different things that happen in your brain when you handwrite versus when you type them. So it's not just to stop me reading it in advance. Well, yeah, because you can't read cursive. I can read cursive. I just can't read your cursive. My cursive is great. Not at any speed, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to decipher it, I suppose. So yeah, I did want to talk about. Um, I did some research on this as well because I kept seeing this coming up on my Facebook feed. So um, the differences in handwriting versus typing. So the first was a study conducted at UCLA, um, which was uh, an experiment um, that had a look at when you handwrite versus when you type. And basically uh, their premise was that if you type, you tend to, because you can type really fast, you tend to write word for word verbatim what you're hearing. So if you're in a, in a university lecture, lecture, so you're not actually absorbing what you're hearing. You're just typing word for word. Whereas when you handwrite, it's a very slow process. So you have to, you're forced to only take note of the key ideas. And this actually leads to a better understanding of the, the matter. When you're summarizing as you write, you're only taking note of the key ideas, right. you process it better. Mm-hmm. So later on, you can recall better and people do better in tests later when they handwrite versus when they type. So for me, um, with a first draft, when we are talking about only writing the key ideas, that's what I do with my first draft. So my first drafts tend to only be half the number of words of my final write. So, um, for example, the Lost City, the first draft was 30,000 words. Mm -hmm. The final draft was 60,000 words. Yeah, so just the key moments. I do key dialogue. I do key actions, key moments, um, key learning areas. Where does my main character need to learn the information she needs to learn? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't worry about setting. I don't describe setting at all. I often don't even worry about secondary characters' names or anything like that. I work that out later. Um, And I don't really worry about descriptions too much unless it's a very important piece of description. So I handwrite the bare bones and this works really well for me because it helps me understand what's important in the story. I don't get bogged down in the nitty gritties because when I focus on the nitty gritties, I find it really hard to keep going and keep my momentum. So yeah, I just want to talk about that UCLA experiment. The next one was a Washington University experiment, which had a look at computer notes. And when you took notes on a computer, you're immediate recall. What did you just learn? Immediately, you learn really quickly. But if you handwrite it, um, you learn, you remember the information more later. Yeah. Okay. So if you type, you forget within 24 hours. And I find that I forget what I've written. Mm. Uh, the last study was uh, by Indiana University and they were actually researching brain health. Um, so they, uh, and they used an MRI scanner to have a look at brain activity with uh, toddlers and they got some toddlers to draw a letter, some to type and some to copy it. Um, so they traced over the outline of the letter and the kids that drew or uh, the letter themselves activated three different sites of the brain. Whereas if you typed, 
that didn't happen. Oh, really? So your brain is more active mm. when you are handwriting. So I think as well. Tapping into more things. Tapping into more parts of your brain, yeah. which can only be a good thing when you're <laughs> writing a first draft of a story. So uh, for me personally, as I said, I handwrite my first drafts. This works really, really well for me. I can take my notebook anywhere with me. So if I find I've got a spare 10 minutes, you know, when I'm I don't know, stuck waiting for you or something when you say you'll come meet me for coffee, I can sit down and I can write in those 10 minutes. Um, It also stops me being lazy with the rewrite because it's handwritten. I have to type it at some point. My Mm. editor is not going to edit a handwritten novel. There's no shortcuts there. No. So I have to, I'm typing it up. I may as well rewrite it while I go and improve it while I go. So it also does stop me from being being lazy too. Uh, And it stops me getting distracted. So I don't get distracted by the internet when it's just me, a pen and some paper. So I just, yeah, that's just sort of my two cents worth Mm. on if you are struggling to write your first book or whatever you're working on, maybe go back to basics, do some pen and some paper. Yeah, absolutely. And your handwriting does improve. (laughs) At first, um, anytime I start writing a new book, my handwriting is atrocious. And like right now I'm halfway through and my handwriting is gorgeous. Really? I have the opposite when I write, handwrite too much. My handwriting gets worse. No, I just mean weeks down the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, today, what I what I w- was working on today, by the end of the day, it was a mess. But at first, oh, it was beautiful. Sort of thing my grandma would have written. Mm. You know how old people have beautiful handwriting? Mm. Oh, my grandma's was the best. <laughs> so I, I particularly like that idea you said of writing those key points in the mm-hmm. story, it's. I, I think a good way to think of that is it's similar to building a house. You don't start by building a full wall, then painting it, then decorating it, then putting your furniture in, and then going to the next wall. You build the frame first. Yes, exactly. Then you look at the detail afterwards. Yeah, foundations, so, and then yeah. add on to that. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. Um, this is actually different to Stephen King. Mm. He actually tries to cut like. 10% of what he writes in his first draft. Um, but I have to say, I do I do actually do that. I cut a lot of my first draft, mm. but then I add a heck of a lot afterwards. So yeah, there are different schools of thoughts on this. Um, if you actually have a different process at home, let us know what works for you because this is just, I'm just one writer. We all work differently. But I just wanted to talk about the science behind yeah, why awesome. I do what I do. That's always good. It's good to have that insight and have a bit of extra uh, research behind it. Okay, uh, so we need to talk about where you're at, Ash. So you mentioned that you're working on book three. I've seen you furiously writing away, handwriting in that little book of yours. So what, what can you tell our listeners about where you're at? Well, I actually had um, some wisdom teeth removed mm. lately and there were some complications. I got had a dry socket, so a bunch of nerve pain, and I haven't been able to sleep for more than like two hours at a stretch. I've been in p- constant pain. And for some reason, I have written more in this past week when I've been in (laughs) agony than I have for the rest of the year. So I am really working hard on my book. Mm. I wrote about between five to 6,000 words last week, which is, yeah, really awesome. So my novel's sitting at about 15,000 words right now. Excellent. Um, And it'll probably be about 30,000 by the time. So I'm about halfway. 
I you, have, you have two more teeth coming out in surgery soon, so I guess we'll see yeah. more writing to come then. Well, that's surgery though, so I might be a little bit groggy. So wow. I don't know if I'd trust myself to write when I'm on general anaesthetic. That could be interesting. I could create some really beautiful stuff. Might be a whole different story with whole new characters. <laughs> that could be really – I actually want to read that. I want to see where, where, where my brain takes that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. Is, is there anything else you wanted to say on that topic? Uh, no, just that it doesn't matter. I've been in so much pain, but ha, I've been productive. So there. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. All right, Ash. Um, so the last part of our podcast, as always, is a writing prompt for everyone. Mm-hmm. So what have you got for us this Well, time? because I have been having my mouth cut open, uh, this writing prompt, which I believe I grabbed, I talked the other week about, uh, they flashed up on my Facebook page and I wrote some of them down. So this one is, you get a deep cut for the first time in your life. Instead of bone and muscle, you see wires. Ooh, mm. I like it. A little bit of sci-fi there. Yeah. Good sci-fi prompt. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing what people write. And as always, be sure to share what you write with us, either on our website, asholdfield.com or on our social media. So you can find us um, at bookstash, uh, yeah, bookstash cast, all one word, on Instagram and Twitter. And if you just search for the bookstash on Facebook, we're on there as well. So be sure to share stories and let us know what you think. Um, and until the next time... Keep reading, keep writing, and we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon.